Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls listening out there across the lands, Slovakia, India, you name it, today is a very special day. Today on the show, I'd say we've had Matthews Hero on the show, we've had Charlie Spedding, but for me, this particular character, I've heard his name mentioned so many times, arguably, certainly one of the fastest men ever to come out of Liverpool. On the show, we have Mr. Marty McLaughlin. And before we get going, we're just going to give a quick shout out to Kevin Brennan, who's listened to every show thus so far. Really enjoying the show. I was surprised to hear this from his his lovely lady, Mrs. I'm surprised Vic- anyone's listened to all of them, to be fair, Vic- as well. No, he has indeed. Vic, Vicky Kehoe, she told me this, and that's very nice. Thanks, Kev. Um, running this morning with uh, Richard Seville. He's trained hard training for the championships in May, looking to represent his country. And the very best with that. And finally, our premier school of dance in Aintree, Mr. Marty McLaughlin, the honourable guest, his daughter Hannah. She's running a school there. And uh, we, we'd like to push our support for that school and give it a mention on the mother of all sports shows. Here we go. Let's kick it off. Marty, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. It's uh, good to be here. Wonderful. And we're going to start because this man has amazing achievements. The great North Run. He was fourth in a battle. He was on the telly. He was in first place. Last mile. One of your greatest achievements. Many. 28 minutes. 10K. Just missed out on the Olympics. He's represented England, Britain. His achievements are far and beyond. We've not even got enough time. But we're going to go right back right back to his early schooling and we're going to start right there because you only seriously got into running at 20 but there was sport in your schooling and we'll we start maybe there yeah um like i say i didn't actually start running seriously in athletics uh until i was around 20 when i joined the running club liverpool pembroke but uh prior to that um when i was at school um and i'm i'm Went to St. Bonaventure's uh, Roman Catholic School in Aintree back in the 70s. Yeah. Um, and it's still going, that school? It's now it's still going, but it's now called Archbishop Beck. Yeah. Uh, my two daughters actually went there as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a few famous, famous boxers. Yeah, we've had uh, famous boxers have been to the school. The Smith brothers went to Archbishop Beck. Like I say, it was St. Bonaventure's when I was there. Yeah. Um, but when I was at school... Um, I used to do a lot of running at school. Uh, I was forced into it really because I, I was more interested in pop music. Yeah, the Beatles, uh, Beatles mania. Not just the Beatles, but just pop music in general. So um, running sort of sort of seemed to to, to, to come second place to um, to pop music. I mean, running and, and football. I used to play football also, but. I was asked to um, represent the school in the uh, Liverpool Catholic schools uh, because I I was I I I was the, the champion when I was like in third year seniors when I was fourteen I mean I could beat the fourth year seniors and the fifth year seniors oh, yeah, yeah. so when I was, when I was fourteen I was beating the fifteen and the sixteen yeah, year olds yeah. also yeah so um, in cross country and on. Um, on the track, it was a grass track 
And what do you put that down down to, by the way? What would you just natural ability yeah, or? It was probably just natural ability. Yeah, yeah I suppose it was yeah. because no one in my family prior to me had ever done any type of sport. Did you have a milk? Uh, did you have, Did you have a milk round that was sort of keeping you fit or anything no, out really. of school? That, oh, sorry. Yeah, I I, I oh. was I, I did have a paper round. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. a paper boy. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think that was. Maybe. I don't, I don't think that helped. Uh, in relation to being a runner. But anyway, like I was saying, I got picked to run for the school in the Liverpool Catholic School's 800 metres, um, which I won. Um, can't remember the time, but I do know. I First lap, I stayed at the back of the group. Second lap, when the bell went, I just did a, what was it, a Dave Wattle, who had seen in the Munich Olympics, and just went yeah. from the back to the front and I'm, I'm running. Amazing. Um, and then about an hour later, I ran in the 1500 metres and I was third. Yeah. So that was basically it really. And then, you know, the following yeah. year I left school. But your family at the time would be very proud of you to be there. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've still got the certificate that yeah. from winning yeah. the Liverpool Catholic schools in, 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 in my mum's loft somewhere yeah. in the house. So, uh, yeah, like I say, I left school then at 16, but I didn't do any 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 athletics or sport, really. I just started doing what normal teenagers do, you know, go out drinking and socialising and chasing women and girls, whatever, <laughs> that type of thing. Um, and it wasn't until I was, uh, when I was 17, I went to work in Dunlop Footwear in Walton, um, and I worked as a storekeeper there. And again, like I say, not doing any, any running uh, of any sort or any type of sport. And I used to see, used to be a couple of guys, I used to see running past me when I was walking into work on the road. They'd be running into work. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, I said, oh, that's a, you know, it took me back to when I was at school running. And I didn't think anything of it anyway. When I was working in there, and I used to be um, a couple of guys in there who sort of were interested in athletics. Um, and were talking to me and I was just telling them about my achievements when, when I was at school, you know, four, three or four years earlier. And one guy in particular, Eddie Weston, uh, he was an engineer there, he was a really nice guy, Eddie, and he used to come and chat about running and he said, we're having a, um, we're, getting, we're going down to London, we're getting a team ready for the, to run in the, the, um, the, the Sunday Times National Fun Run in Hyde Park in London. I think it was about two kilometres, two or three k. Uh, and we're going to get a team down to run in Hyde Park if you fancy it. And I said, well, I haven't done any running, Eddie, not since I was about 15. Yeah. So we said, well, we're going to have a trial in a couple of weeks. You know, come to the trial and see how you get on. I didn't even have any running kit, anything, any running shoes. So... Um, Funny enough, I started jogging a little bit round the, the Dunlop site, yeah. briefly, just a bit of jogging on my own, in my lunch hour, you know, for 10, 10 or 15 minutes, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, I was, I was like, uh, I was <laughs> gasping. <laughs> gasping for breath, as they say, type of thing, but I thought, no, I'll go and give this, this trial a run, because, hey, it's a, it's a free trip down to London for the weekend, sounds good, that, yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah, I um, I went to this. It, that, that the trial was actually at Bootle Stadium, running around Bootle Stadium, a couple of laps of the the stadium there. So I turned up in a pair of cut down jeans, shorts, <laughs> tennis shoes, and just a t shirt, 
And anyway, there was about, I don't know, there was about 15, 20 of us. Um, anyway, Eddie, who was there in charge, said, okay, guys, go. So the, the, the race kicked off. And I went straight to the front, like I used to do, like, like one of my heroes, Dave Bedford, oh, yeah. the, uh, who used to always run from the front. He was one of my heroes at school. Dave Bedford, Ian Stewart, Brendan Foster, they were like my, my schoolboy heroes as yeah. athletes. Yeah, so I did a Dave Bedford, went straight to the front, and after about 800 metres, I nearly collapsed. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, what have I done here? And anyway, a couple of guys went past me, but for some, somehow I, I hung on to do this couple of laps of Bootle Stadium, whatever it was, uh, and I finished third, so and I just collapsed at the end, and I thought, but great, I'm in the team. Yeah. So then I started going out training with Eddie and a couple of lads around Walton Park, which was by where we used to the factory where we used to work. So I went out training a couple of couple of times a week with them and I got a little bit fitter. Um, obviously got proper running running shoes then. Because um, Dunlop supplied us with the running shoes and they supplied us with, with, with the kit, track suits and stuff. So anyway, cut a long story short, went to London. Uh, I ran in my age group, which was like the 19 to 22 age group, because I was about 19 or 20 then. Um, and I, th- I finished 14th out of about 800. So, which was which was okay, yeah. You know, anyway, we had a nice weekend in London, and then we came back to where. And then Eddie said, you know, why don't you try and um, take it further? You know, take up running, be a bit more serious. And I said, ah, oh. yeah. And you know, I was I was getting interested in it a little bit and watching things on the TV. Um, and then there was Jeff Smith, who was a famous Liverpool runner at the time, who around that time went to Moscow to the Olympics. The ten thousand meters, and I was like, "Oh yeah, because I wish I could. I wish I could do what he he, he can do. Yeah. You know, that gives me it gives me a bit of inspiration." So, I started training again on my own. There was another guy I worked with in uh, called Donny Maddox. Now Donny, one of his best friends was a guy called Kenny Gates. Now Kenny Gates used to run for Liverpool Pembroke, and he was an international back in the nineteen fifties, and he was also doing a bit of coaching for Liverpool Pembroke at Kirby Sports Centre. So Donny said, why don't you go to to, 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 uh, to Kirby and see Kenny and try and get in with them guys and do a bit of training with them. So I did, I went down to the Kirby Sports Centre uh, and introduced myself to Ken Gates and uh, I said, I want to do distance running. And his re- remark was, oh no, not another distance runner. And I just started laughing and stuff, and I said, anyway, I mentioned the, his old friend, Donny Maddox. Oh, yeah, great. So then he said, you see what the guys are doing? They were doing interval training around the track, which I wasn't, I didn't really know much about interval yeah. training at the time. So, so he said, want to get your kit on and join in with some of the guys? So I joined in with some of the group who were doing interval training, and I just started um, running with the group, and then whatever we were doing, I can't remember, for, for so many 400s, 600s, whatever it was. Um, and I just went to the front and just started winning every effort. So the, the guy said, who's this, where's this guy come from? Who's this, who's this upstart? You know, because a lot of the guys were older guys as well. I was like 20. And some of the top distance runners in Pembroke at the time were like in their late 30s, maybe 40, even vets. And I thought, Strange, but they, that seemed old to me because I thought when I was 20 I, I was a bit old myself to take a run, but obviously I wasn't. So, like I say, I joined Pembroke 
Um, and it just progressed from there. And I just started going in, in, in racing, you know, doing the old track race. And then um, it took me about 18 months to, to train with, with the Pembroke guys and, and get myself a bit fitter and, and ready to start racing local cross-country races, maybe local road races. Um, I ran a 1,500-3,000 metres on the track. Um, and 1981 I think it was then I ran my first Liverpool District cross country race uh, in Ellesmere Port I always remember finishing fourth behind the three St Helens guys Steve Anders, Jerry Elm and Kevin Jakes um, and again you know fourth in the Liverpool District that, that's, that's, that sounds good um, and then I started winning 82, sorry, 82, I ran in the Lancashire Cross Country Championships and finished 8th or ninth, so I made the team for the Inter-Counties, finished 22nd in the in the Inter-Counties, uh, first run. Um, 1983, ran my first National Cross Country Championships, finished 20th. So, <laughs> I've just come from nowhere just to start, you know, finishing high up in these cross-country races and then 1983 was one of my first serious road races the Harold Wood road race in Ashton and Makerfield I beat two uh, two internationals there Dave Cannon was a marathon international and another guy Bill Kane and I'm, I'm, I must have beat them by about a minute and a half I just, I just ran away from them yeah. and it was like a course record at the time and then People will say, "Hey, this this guy, <laughs> this guy might be going places." Those so, hu those huge improvements. What would you put that down to? Were you working really hard? What kind of mileage at the time? Yeah, because I I'd gone from when I started um, back in Dunlops. Um, I left there eventually in nineteen eighty one. Got made redundant when the factory closed down, um, but that was my beginnings, where I'd be running about three or four times a week. What would I be doing? 20, 30 miles a week, you would say, maybe, if not even, maybe not even that far. Then I started to join the club, started to run 60, 70, 80 miles a week. Every week. So I was putting in higher mileage, I was doing quality track sessions, I was getting in with a group on the roads, running, you know, having a bit of a beer up with some of the lads on the roads. So that, I obviously improved a lot by training better. Um, I was, wasn't was working at the time because I'd been made redundant, so I decided to train full-time. So I was training twice a day. Twice a day, yeah. Um, yeah. Long run on a Sunday, like most runners. Long run Sunday, most of the days, twice a day training. Mm. Tuesdays and Thursdays down at the track, doing efforts on the track. Um, so that was, you know, first couple of years... By 1983, like I said, finished 20th in the National Cross Country. Got my first England vest after less than three years running um, a road race in Paris, um, which I didn't run very well in. But that's 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 beside the point. But I got I got my first England East English Cross Country Union vest. It was yeah at the time. So that was like late 83, um, and. Then I started to get coached by another local guy called Ken Peeney, who coached me briefly for a while. Um, and then I started being coached by John Bradshaw from Liverpool Pembroke, 
um, and then John really sort of upped me training and started me doing, he said, you want to run 10,000 metres? Okay, we'll do 10,000 metre training, which is like five times 2,000 metres on the track with a, a, a two minute interval rest in between. Get yourself, get, your, get yourself used to running 68 seconds a lap. So we were sort of like, we decided we were going to, you know, have a crack at 10,000 metres yeah. and do the actual training for 10,000 metres. And the actual, the actual training is that upping it, you're now upping it more. Yeah, I mean, I'm running like, um, like I say, five, a, a typical session would be five times 2,000 metres with a two-minute recovery, running around 5.48 or 5.46 or something. So it was with average out about 67, 68 seconds a lap. Again, five or six times a mile, running in the summertime when the weather was nice, you know, you're running like... Five, five or six times a mile and averaging around 4.35 a ma- you know, each mile mm-hmm. with a couple of minutes, again, two minute rest in between. Then you'll be doing 10 or 12 400s flat out, you know, around 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 61 seconds, whatever. So it was all... How did you deal with, I imagine, because, you know, I've never done, I've never done train that that hard, you know, the, the fatigue, no, did, did you have any fatigue? It didn't bother me at all, no, no you didn't, the, the, yeah. the, I, I reveled in it, the hard, the, I reveled in it, the hard oh, of the train, and the, the yeah, I, I, I was just, I'd what really about become, your, di- your diet as well at that time? You've, I'd really become focused to yeah. that, I wanted to, to, to get to the top mm-hmm. as an athlete, my diet was pretty much, simple, what most people's diet is, just eat, eat normal, normal food, um, but plenty of carbohydrates and my ex-wife was great at cooking spaghetti bolognese and stuff like that. So she used to, you know, we used to, I just ate normal, healthy food. I also like, like to have a drink as well of a weekend, a few beers. Again, that, that's all all um, fuel, and as the, we say, because you're just burning that off. And the family, you got the support from, from I got the, the support from the family, great, because my dad used to take me to races. He used to run me there, drive me there in the car. He used to drive me to the airport or pick me up from the airport when I was running abroad. So my family, me, you know, were 100% behind me. Uh, like I said, particularly my dad, because uh, he, he used to come to a lot of races with me. Um, so, like I say, we'd, 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 I'd, I'd, I'd decided I was going to be running full-time. I, I, I had a couple of jobs in between. Um, but 1985, then we move on to that. I, I started to make a bit of an, another breakthrough because I ran my first half marathon, um, which was the Liverpool Pale Assurance Half Marathon, which was part of a, a national series. It was a Pale Assurance Half Marathon in London, Liverpool, Bristol, Edinburgh, so on and so forth. Um, so I ran the Liverpool one as my debut in 85 and I won that in 65 minutes, 15 seconds, or 65 minutes, 12 seconds, I think, or something like that. 65, 15, I think. Well, you feel anyway, it, that must have given you a huge encouragement. And I won that. And encouragement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was also prize money involved and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, Isn't that under the, uh, under the table prize money? No, it, it wasn't. It, was, it used to be under the table, but then yeah. you come up with subventions... Yeah. They were called subventions then, so it was all above board. You earned a subvention which went into like a trust fund and then you could you could draw so much out towards your training purposes, petrol money to go training, you know, so on to 
whatever you wanted. So it was just basically, uh, you just have to, to, to write or, or call the trust and say, can I have X amount of money? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they just send you a check or whatever. So it was all, it wasn't, it was, it was all above board, but um, it was strange the way it was. Yeah. Um, I always remember my mum always <coughs> mentions uh, the first time she got any substantial prize money or anything was, was um, London in 88, the marathon. And uh, she just got handed a, a, a brown envelope under the table sort of thing. Yeah, but you, you did. And, uh, you, up and yeah, you did, <laughs> you did, you did that, get that also. Because, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember when I, when I finished 18th in the London Marathon in 93. I'll get, I'll get onto yeah. that later. But, yeah, I, I, I looked, finished 18th, and I think the prize money went down to 20 or 25 and I think I won about fifteen hundred dollars or something yeah. for uh, for it, and I thought, oh, you, you know. Yeah. But uh, again, that was the yeah. <laughs> <had to> go <laughs> the old envelope. I think yeah. I can't I, I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> but um, yeah. So yeah, I won the Pearl Assurance Half Marathon Liverpool, and then in the national final in Birmingham, which was won by Steve Jones, who was the world record holder for the marathon at that time. He won the race by he won it he won it something amazing like sixty one minutes. Yeah. And I ran sixty four minutes and I finished tenth in tenth position, I, I always remember. Um and like I said, by then I was running in the inter, uh, in cross country also that year in the inter counties. There's a famous photo of me and Steve Cram uh, coming to the finish. Yeah. Sixth, I think Steve out sprinted me. By the way, um, <laughs> he was sixth. I think I was seventh or something. Whatever. I think we were sixth and seventh. But um, I started running well in the cross country again. Like I say, um, cross country road uh, training for ten thousand meters on the track. Although by then I'd only run twenty nine minutes for ten thousand meters then, which was still good. Yeah. The best time was twenty nine fourteen, which I ran in eighty five. Then I got that down to 29.05. And then in 1986, we moved on, and I just absolutely... Uh, 1986, in the summer of 86, I ran... I went from running 29.05 to 28.27 in the UK champ, so I knocked a huge chunk off my personal best. You'd be about 28 years old at this point. I would be in 1986. I would be 27. 27. Um, so I ran twenty eight twenty seven, um, in the UK champs in the, in the May. Um, knocking like I say, going from twenty nine oh five to twenty eight twenty seven. Then in the three A's championships, which was the trial for the European championships that year, I ran twenty eight fifteen. So I knocked another twelve seconds off my PB. Yeah. But only again, only finished tenth in that race. Such was the depth. The depth of the. Yeah, John Solly won it in twenty seven fifty one. Um, if I can remember something like that, uh, I only finished tenth, like I say, in twenty eight fifteen. But it was still a personal best. Uh, you know, it was great that I'd, I'd improved my PB, personal best, by nearly a minute in the space of a year. Mm. So the training that John Bradshaw had put mm. to me was working. It was working. And we were. You know, we were we were on the way to, um, obviously obviously to great things, but um, funny funny enough that happened to be my PB. I never ran any quicker after that. That that ended up being the fastest I ever ran for ten thousand meters on the track. Um, even though 
1988, two years afterwards, I was still running, still running, was still running 28 minutes or whatever I was, whatever time. But I ran in the Olympic trials um, for Seoul in 1988 at, at Birmingham in the 10,000 meter trial, where I finished fifth um, on a bacon hot day. Race won by Steve, Steve Bins with Mike McLeod second. Um, so they grabbed the two Olympic spots, but I finished fifth, only four seconds. Four seconds. The second place. Four so I missed seconds. out on I missed out the Olympics by four seconds. My word. At ten thousand. But but that's that's the way it goes, yeah. you know. Hey well, home. Well, that was uh, my mum was trying to qualify because she was she was a ten thousand meter runner really, and that's yeah. what that was her goal was the ten thousand for the Olympics, and I think she she I, missed out by a couple hundredths of a second was was yeah, her yeah, on I, the qualifying. I, yeah, I remember your mum uh, running running that that time. Yeah, soon. Well, she, yeah. yeah. Um, well, she, she got the she had then, the marathon from earlier in the year. Just they, 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 I think they've just done that off the they've done in the miles in the winter training for the ten thousand. And I think my dad just fancied running it, and she said, "If you'll go on, then I'll I'll run it as well." Great, sort yeah. of thing. But she so, she they didn't they weren't focused on it sort of thing. Great, and obviously, great that she yeah. ran in the marathon. Uh, yeah. Great that she ran in the Seoul Olympics. Um, yeah, um, like I say, that 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 particular year, like it's. Uh, Usually the first three get selected for the Olympics, but it was just the first two this year because Eamon Martin had already been pre-selected because he won the Bislett Games 10,000 metres uh, a few weeks before in Oslo mm. and he actually broke the British record on his debut. Right. <laughs> so obviously, which was just fantastic. So Eamon was already pre-selected um, and then Steve Bins and Mike McLeod got the other two spots in the trial. But yeah, I finished fifth. I was delighted with my performance, but just a little bit gutted that I just missed out. But again, that's 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 uh, that's the way the sport is. You know, you, you have highs, you have lows, you're up there. Um, and your next opportunity for the Olympics would be ninety two, but sadly. And you, then you... in nineteen ninety two, again, I ran in the Olympic trials again for the ten thousand meters. But I've been injured prior to that, mm. and I knew I wasn't in great shape, and I just ran, and I I I was I didn't run too well in that but small margins small margins but, yeah. but like I said I jumped I jumped to 1988 just to mention the fact about running the Olympic trial and just missing out but mm. I jumped from 1986 where I'd run my personal best for 10,000 metres um, but 1987 I would say was a great year for me 1987 is one of my best years in running in, in terms of running on more so on the road and on the cross country, um, which I seem to to, to have ha, have a great year in eighty seven in them them in them two particular. Because yeah, you went you went to the, the world cross country uh, yeah. championships there and won um, team silver medal. Um, I think you were you fifty ninth yeah. over yeah, overall yeah, the right. race as well. Yeah, um, that was out in uh, Warsaw, wasn't it? Yeah, that was in Warsaw. Yeah, um, nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, I'd finished. Um, was that the year you finished? Was that the same year as you were third at the national and third at the counties? No, no I was. I was. I was third. I'd, I'd, I'd opened up the nineteen eighty seven cross country season by finishing third in the inter counties. Yeah. Uh, to Carl Thackeray won the race, um, and then in the national I was eighty seven. I think I was seventh, right. sixth or seventh in the national. In eighty seven, um, and made the team, the England team. For the World Cross Country Championships in Warsaw, where I went on to finish 59th. and that's that, that that's a funny story really because 
couple of weeks prior to that world championships i got i got attacked by a dog out on a training run yeah <laughs> i so, got bitten by a dog yeah. would, would you believe no well, um, i don't believe it i keep uh, getting attacked i keep getting attacked i was out on a training run one night mm. one dark night in the winter and i got attacked by a dog uh, so it sort of bit me on the foot yeah so i was like so many miles from from home so i had to i had to run home jog on whatever after being and then go down to the hospital to get a tetanus right yeah and i was given antibiotics which i was taking and, and, and only finished them only a few days before i went to poland oh, geez. so but nevertheless you know i i i don't know whether i would have run better had I, this not happened but i still finished 59th and um, more importantly england finished second team in the in it behind the mighty kenyans and we beat the mighty ethiopians to, to, into second place yeah, that's nice obviously we we, yeah. we all got a team silver medal which I, I've got and I cherish um, and furthermore it was also the last time that um, the four nations England, Scotland, Ireland were represented in the World Cross Country Championships because the following year in 88 they combined it into a Great Britain team um, and again I ran in the Great Britain team uh, in 91 in uh, Antwerp and Belgium and are we going to mention um, your, your agent? You had an agent during this time? or Yeah, I used to be a representative. I used to, uh, John Bycourt, based in London, who had a lot of Kenyan runners and a lot of other top British guys. Yeah, he used to uh, get me into some good races on the continent. So he, um, he linked up with you. What year would that have been? I first started running, with, um, getting races through John round in the late 88. Yeah. Around about that time, 87, 88, something like that. And that so was, that I, was... He'd, he'd get me in cross country races in Europe, road races in Europe. Yeah. So it made me a better runner. It improved me as a runner. Um, and again, he, he, he used to also give me a little bit of advice as well with regards to training because he'd tell me some of the things he'd have. He used to represent a lot of Kenyan athletes, John Ngugi, the world cross country champion, yeah. and uh, Olympic medalists. And he had a, a lot of top Kenyan guys who used to come and stay in London at John's place. and train from there and so he used to give me some uh, advice on what type of training the Kenyan guys were doing what kind of advice anything you can pick that stands out in your memory you know, one of his things that always got me was see I, I didn't like running in the morning I was always an afternoon evening guy for running but he always said I always have my Kenyan guys running for at least one hour every morning one hour every they morning they run for an hour yeah and then they do the second session later on in the yeah. day whatever the yeah. track session or go whatever but he always mentioned that one hour in the morning. I just thought, oh. It's stuck in your mind. Yeah, but I didn't really. Yeah, I did. I did. I started doing it a little bit, but I preferred just to do half half an hour, forty five <laughs> minutes in the morning, and then do the main session later in the afternoon and, or the and evening. And they'd be slower runs in the morning, would they? They would be you, slower. Just runs, gentle, yeah. or just pushing it a little bit, or no, just just just, just uh, steady runs, stretching um, out the legs. You know, I always I, find that that morning run is a it's a good uh, sort of long. Part over ready for that evening. I don't know what it was with me because I, again I didn't really like running in the morning. I'd just do run, I'd run like four or five miles in the morning, uh, and then maybe sometimes run nine or ten miles again in the evening. You well, know, obviously at a quicker pace. Those four or five were beneficial though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, it was all part of me. Twice I used to train twice a day, like a lot of uh, athletes, particularly the top guys, used to train twice a day. 
because if such and such a guy's running twice a day, I need to be running twice a day. Well, yeah. Did you ever get pulled into the, 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 the big mileage um, things of Bedford not really, and Moorcroft no, and stuff like no, that? No, because I know the guys were running, running uh, you know, 120, 130 miles a yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. I was a bit fearful of doing that because I'd, uh, in, injuries maybe. Yeah. I mean, the most I ever ran would, would be 100 miles a week. Yeah. So on average, I would be running throughout the year 80, 90 miles a week. So my average, in, 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 in the summer, 80 miles a week, in the winter, 90 to 100 miles a week, would be my sort of training. Throughout the, that period where you had were most successful? Yeah, I mean, like I say, summertime, obviously, I'd be, you'd be obviously doing um, more track work and more more shorter stuff on the track than you would in the winters. Winter time, you'd probably be doing long reps like, you know, interval miles, interval 2,000 metres. In the summertime, you'd be doing interval 400, 600s, whatever, you know, sort of faster stuff. Mm. So, um, I uh, stopped, uh, I stopped by, by the way, one, sorry, one point. At that time, we didn't have, you didn't have all the technology, the, 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 it was basically, you were going out there and you had a rough idea. Was it sort of like a time? You were out for so long, yeah. 60 minutes. Yeah, the I, simplicity I, of it, perhaps. A, yeah, I mean, perhaps helped. I would just run, diff, you know, certain certain routes basically from just just up from the front door. Yeah, I would go and do this route or go and do that route, and I, it was I, a set pattern that you knew. It was approximate yeah. mileage that I was doing. Mm. You know, I, I knew which what, 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 a ten mile run, so I'll go here, I'll go there, and then back home again, whatever. But so that would be like a ten mile run. Sometimes I'd go go running with a group of guys and that was was, was helpful running with a group because sometimes I'd run steady and just tuck in with the group and some of the guys they'd be pushing it because uh, the night before I might have done a track session for example Tuesday and Thursday was track days for me so if I've done a, a hard track session on a Tuesday evening on the Wednesday I'll be doing a 10 mile run with a group and they'll be pushing it and I'll just be tucking in because I'll be thinking I've done my hard, hard session the night before yeah, I don't want to be, you know, some of the guys. I say, oh, Marty's with us. I want them because they used to get great, great, get great delight in running me into the ground on the oh, Wednesday. Yeah. I'm thinking, look at that, Marty. He's struggling with it. But would this at the back the work, of my mind, I'm just saying that's okay to myself because I've I've done the hard work the night before, so I'm just happy yeah. to tag along with the guys. Is this the Wednesday morning or the afternoon? This will be the Wednesday evening. Evening, yeah. And you you've done something the Wednesday morning though, four or five. I'd already run in the morning, four, yeah. four or five yeah. miles in the morning, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I was quite happy to tag along with them and let them do all the pushing, um, you know. And it made them better runners as well, because they thought, "Oh, Marty's with us, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make him work hard tonight." So we give them an incentive to to, yeah. to you know, uh, the, and, and I I trained with some great guys who were great runners, fast, fantastic trainers. But when it came to a race, some of them, I don't know what it was. They just didn't seem to. Um, some of the guys trained just as hard as I did, yeah. but when it came to competition, when it came to a race, they just didn't seem to fulfil the promise that they'd shown on training runs. Mm. Maybe it was all in the mind. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, interesting. You know, that 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 is the interesting thing because it, when I used to run a race, no matter whether I was running a local road race or I was running in a world championships or whatever, I treated it the same. I thought if I'm in good shape. Wherever I finish today, these guys who beat me, 
if, if, I, if I do get, you know, whatever position I finish, they're going to have to run damn hard to beat me today. Yeah. Because I'm going to, you know, I'm in great shape. and You do your best. Whatever nice. happens, I give it my best shot. Yeah, you know. Um, but like I say, whether it was a local five-mile road race or, you know, a quality um, European Can we road ch- race or, or, or running for England or Britain in a champion, whichever... Can we talk about the Great North Run? Great North Run, yeah. What um, year, year was that? That would, yeah. that would be in your in your mind. That would be your perf- out- just just before we touch on the Great North Run sorry, yeah, again. Sorry, yeah. sorry I, I forgot to mention also going back to that year of nineteen eighty seven when we when we spoke about running in the World Cross Country Championships, which was great. Um, not long after the um, World Cross Country Championship, I, I I got a job working for Ford Motor Ford Motor Company. Uh, Which in, is in Halewood. In Halewood. Yeah. Through me dad, me dad had worked there for, for, for got me a job there because he said, you know, maybe you might need to t- <laughs> to, to get to get a, a new job because I I I've been running full time. For how long? Sorry, up to that point. Were I've you... been running full time since about eighty five for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like I was like a house husband because my youngest, my sorry, my oldest daughter Vicky would have been around two or three then, so my wife would be going out, she'd be working, and I'd be like a house husband, looking after Vicky and training her also. So it worked, you know, she, at that time. But then I, I, I decided to get a job with Fords, um, in eighty seven. Um, I didn't mind doing the job, working on the line, making cars. So, I would do like uh, two weeks of days and two weeks of nights. The two weeks of days were okay, but the two weeks of nights, you know, um, yeah. it was difficult. The job wasn't difficult. What what I mean, it was difficult was I'd be still training for full time, yeah. um, and I'd be going. I always, you know, still on a Tuesday and Thursday, I would still be going to the track to do a hard track session, and then I'd come home. From the track session at Kirby, where I used to train and do all my track work, um, have some, something to eat, and then drive to work to do a night shift. <laughs> so around about three or four o'clock in the morning, I'd be falling asleep on the job type of thing. I can imagine. You know, and I thought, oh, you know, so. How long does that last for? Um, but at that time, like, like, like I'm, like I'm going to get to. Um, I was still running well because I ran um, some some quality road races. You know, I I just I finished second in the Barnsley ten k, which was a top top road race, running twenty eight minutes fifty four, uh, just beaten on the line by a, a Czech runner, what a guy called Pavel Klimesh. So I was I I still I, I was still running well. Um, I run a couple of other good races, um, and I'd been in Fords then for about five or six months. Um, now I don't know whether working in Fords made me a better athlete at that time because I was like twenty eight years old, so I was as fit as a flea. I was running well. I was working hard, um, but a job was physically demanding. A little bit was yeah, but then. My longer term goal for the for the following year was the Olympic trials to run in the ten thousand meters, mm. and I thought, you know, um, I'm going to be given that a good shot. Anyway, 
around about October 1987, I've been there about five or six months, I ran a 10 mile road race in Holland and Amsterdam, where I finished second uh, and ran 46 minutes 26 seconds, which was the fast, sorry, the second fastest time in the world for 10 miles that oh year. God, that's amazing. Um, so I then thought, you know, this, I'm in, I'm in fantastic shape. Uh, I got invited to run the New York Marathon on the Ooh, back of that. Yeah. Uh, to make me marathon debut, which I wasn't ready for. Anyway, I ran the New York Marathon, but I didn't uh, finish 50 seconds, so I had a bit of a nightmare. Right. Um, one of the things about the job, which, 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 which I, I made a decision, and I'll tell you why I made a decision, because working at Fords, I was driving home from nights one morning, and I fell asleep at the wheel of the oh, car. Oh, bloody hell. And I, found myself, and I found myself in the middle the central reservation on the on Queen's Drive and I, I pulled over and thought, oh my God. And I was just like, you know, I thought one of one's got to go. I've either got to yeah. quit the job or quit running full time. And, and, and I thought, I'm 28. I've just run some fantastic time that I thought, I've got the Olympics coming up next year, which I'm, which I'm aiming for. Yeah. So I thought it's time to say goodbye to the job. And that's what you did. And I quit the job what to run full time again. What did your father say? He, he, he said, "Yeah, great. That, that it's oh, your decision." He supported you. And it was the best move I ever made because I started running really well, and I had another few more years running full time. Then, uh, like I said, my wife was working full time at the time, so um, you know it worked. Our situation worked, um, so. Obviously, like I say, I um, we move on to nineteen eighty nine. Then nineteen eighty nine. The Great North Run. Now, yeah. Now, talking about the Great North Run, I ran the Great North Run three times, which was like the Great North Run is and still is one of the top road races in the world. I think the Great North Run has overtaken the London Marathon now for 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 uh, participation mm. wise. With the London Marathon, we always had the biggest field. And it's a and half marathon. It's a the half Great North Run, which is a half marathon. Which has been won by some famous names over the years. Started in nineteen eighty one. I first ran the Great North Run in nineteen eighty nine. I actually ran it three times: eighty nine, ninety one, and ninety three. And I finished fourth, seventh, and fifth in them years. So my three runs in the Great North Run were all good quality runs. You know, I don't think there's many British athletes who've, who've finished. Uh, Fourth, fifth, and seventh in their three great north in three. You know, yeah. I and don't I, think there's many of them. I can pick. I picture the scene now that the fourth place you got Mike McLeod, you got a Moroccan, yeah, and you got and it's televised. And after the race, now you're going through this and you're looking at this race. Yeah, um, and if, if we if we if we touch on that first um, great north on that I ran in 1989, um, it was a pretty hot day. Um, and in that way again I was in great shape I'd actually won the Belfast half marathon uh, in record time in apparently record time at the time I mean it was I'd won the Belfast the Pearl Assurance Belfast half marathon in 19 uh, the year before in 88 and I'd ran 62.57 which apparently was the fastest time in Northern Ireland at that time when I won that race um, so, like I said, that, that, that put me in good stead. Um, 
actually, I actually ran in uh, Ireland a few times in Northern Ireland, Belfast. I ran the Perlish on South Marathon um, twice, with, uh, sorry, three times. I won it twice, 88 and 91. Um, and I ran a, a few but, other 10K races in Northern Ireland. I used to be, I used to run quite regularly in Northern Ireland, which was funny because they always thought, McLaughlin, is, he, is this guy Irish? Of course he is. Of course he is. No, he's not. He's, 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 the, he's the English English runner with the Irish sound and name. So that was always that was always funny. Um, you know. Uh, Listen, this is a question I don't want to forget because it's really important to me. Sounds like you're racing quite a bit, but are you really? You know, is because Tony Clark, who you know, you've you've spoken to Tony over the years, coach of mine, and he talks about you know. Building towards a race, and you know you got a set period of time. You're aiming for this race. How often did you have between races? What was the period, or were you racing every week, or once a month, or? Yeah, I mean, in general, yeah, I could be racing virtually every week. Every week. Well, that's what I want to do, but he won't let me. It's virtually, <laughs> you know. It, yeah. Um, every week. Yeah. Not all the time, but in general. Because don't they say if you're racing every week, you can't. Like recover to build, you know. To, I mean, in the I summertime, I could yeah. be racing two or three times a week. Really? Oh my, that's amazing. Okay, locally, yeah. most of the time, I would use these local road races as 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 hard training runs. So you take for, a bit off. For, would you for, take a bit off the performance then when you went no, into? No, not really, you, because I might no. run a local. I mean, if you look at look at if you look at see that all the local road the local road race scene at the time was very popular. You used to have lots of. Uh, all the club athletes used to run, all the top athletes in Merseyside would run races like the Baconhead 5, Croxteth Park 10k, um, what else? There would be, um, diff, 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 you know, diff, just different local road races um, and you would run some of these races uh, and use them as hard training runs. Um, I might be running the Baconhead 5 mile road race on the Wednesday and I might have a a big race coming up on the Saturday or the Sunday, a few days after, but it was just classed as a hard training run for me. Right, and it would that's, that's the way I used it. And you didn't feel it took from your performance. It was just all no, building. No. You were building. You were very strong anyway. Obviously, I think in some of these, if you look at some of these local road races, I mean, I've still got the course records for some of them. Yeah. Um, Southport five k, Southport ten k, Birkenhead five. I think Johnny Mellor broke it a couple of years ago. My record, but. It's a different course now than it was then. Croxteth Park, 10K, I've still got the record for that, as far as I know. Croxteth Park, 5 miles, still got the record. So, you know, my records are still standing after yeah. 30 years yeah. or whatever. And this is another question, which I cannot forget this question, because it's really important to me. The strength in depth of that period in the 80s, the yeah. quality, yeah. the quality and the amount of runners, you know, we say that you can win a race now, 33, 34 minutes, but... Back then, you would you would never win a race in those kind of times. Yeah, and like you say, the strength and depth is was uh, amazing back in the eighties and nineties. It was like you, like you say, John Joe, you 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 you've um you can win a a ten k road race now in thirty three minutes. But okay, that's great, you know. But but um, thirty three minutes for ten k is a quality run, sure. But you know these. These type of road races at the time, back in the eighties and nineties, they were being won in twenty nine minutes, thirty minutes. So if you run thirty three minutes, 
back in the 80s, you, you'd be lucky to finish in the top 40. Such was, such was, that's, I'm not knocking that, that's great, but such is the depth that we had at the time in the sport, and that's, this is just, not just locally, but this is nationally. What did you put that down to at the time? Again, it it was a different world to live in then, we didn't have all the social media, we didn't have people um, on computers, people exercise more, they got out more, I, I know a lot of people go to the gym now, I mean I've never been into a gym in my life. Even when I was running, I didn't go to the gym. I just got out on the road and ran. I hated running on a treadmill and stuff like that. It wasn't That wasn't for me. I used to do a little bit of uh, weight training, but I did it at home because I had these set of water weights for a little bit of arm strength that I, used, that I used to use now once or twice a week. I didn't go anywhere near the gym and I didn't have to. I didn't want to. I know lots of people love the gym now and that's great. But we just got out and we ran and even in the winter time when it was snowing a lot of people would say now just oh I'll go to the gym instead it's snowing I'd just get out and run in the snow you know um, <laughs> we just got out and people like said, it was just it was just it was just in, oh, when you, when you stuck look, in our minds that we just had to go out and run quite clearly the depth was there and when you look at today's modern society and you say is it someone like yourself with your experience you never thought of getting back involved. Um, a young man at 61 years of age, getting involved and seeing like, there's, there's like a sort of a, with the, the young people now, you, you could make such, potentially, you know, you could create a school of runners that would wipe the floor with a lot of them. When I started, when I sort of um, retired from running in the early days, I used to advise a few people, just by word of mouth, you know, They'd ask me a question, or what do you think is the best way to prepare for a race, or what type of training to do, and I'd just give them some advice. Yeah, it was, that was great. And 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 today you have some great coaches who give up their time and their, you know, specifically to coach athletes and, and make them better runners and give them their advice. Myself personally, yeah, I mean, if anyone wants any advice off me, I can still give them advice. But um, as regards being a coach or stuff like that, I, I, you know, I, I'm I, I just feel I, I, I could just I, I'm just happy to give people advice, and I'll always give people advice of what they want to know about training or races or whatever, whatever, whatever way they, they the best ways to train or prepare or diet or what I, I just like to give them advice of, the, of what I think suited me at the time, and and I would give them the same advice. You know, the way I used to prepare. Um, if they if if they want uh, me to 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 give them running running tips, training tips, whatever, I'm happy to do that. But regards <laughs> being a coach, I I I think them days are probably over now. I, I I'm just happy to look back with fond memories of of the sport and racing and the camaraderie and the people that were involved and the travelling. You know, I love all that. That's what I miss most about about running. Not the actual, not the actual running or the training, but everything evolved around it. Camarad- the people, the camaraderie, the travelling to different countries. Because I travelled the world for free, basically, as a runner, and sometimes got paid for it. You know, there are days that you would never, never, ever swap f- for the world. Now, there's one thing... Um 
we're going to go into that battle of the Great North Run because we, we've missed that, but we'll go, go into yeah. that because that's a really interesting televised battle. Four people, a Moroccan, an Italian, and two Englishmen, I think. Yeah, that, that's... Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I know we got sidetracked. I'm good at that, get sidetracking here, but... <laughs> but, but uh, so that's, my focus. I, 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 that's my focus. That's my focus. I was going on about certain <laughs> things, but to get back to that 1989 Great North Run, which is yeah. probably... And many people say probably one of my best ever races, which it was. Um, like I say, it was a hot day, and after about two or three mile, uh, four of us broke clear from the rest of the field. That would be um, Bordin of Italy, who was the uh, the reigning Olympic marathon champion from Seoul the year before. Britain's Mike McLeod from the northeast, who was. Um, Olympic silver medalist in the 10,000 metres in the Los Angeles Olympics. Also a, a great runner, uh, one of Britain's greatest ever runners, Mickey. Uh, Nashadi El Mustafa of Morocco, who two years previously in 80, 1987 had finished second in the famous London Marathon. And myself. Um, so, like I say, two or three miles, four of us broke clear. And it was pretty much that way all through the race. I seemed to be forcing the pace most of the time because I was thinking, I'm in great shape and I, I'm, 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 I want to run away from these guys. I want to go clear. I want to run this from the front. So I was forcing the pace and forcing the pace and they were, trying, they were, they were covering me every move. So this was after a, you know every, every mile or so and I thought, no, let me go again. So I'll try and force it again <laughs> around the nine mile mark, whatever. And then they'd, they'd, they'd cover the move. And then, you know, getting to 10, 11 miles, the four of us still hanging in there. Let's give it one more go and I push again. And even the people on the, the TV commentator were saying, McLaughlin's pushing this pace and he's trying to... But anyway, it didn't happen and around about 12 miles. You got I just up. settled in with the four of them and then it just became a bit of a burn-up in the last mile then. And that last mile. It became between the Moroccan and Mickey McLeod for a sprint finish. Um, and... I think the Moroccan just pipped Mickey, Mickey, Mike McLeod on the line. Oh, yeah. uh, in was third, and I was a few seconds behind Bordin in fourth. But yeah. I gave it my best shot, um, and I couldn't ask for more. I, I knew I wasn't going to win in a sprint finish, but like I say, as I was, if I can break clear from these guys and try and push on, that was my aim. Uh, and but they covered every move. It was a great race. A great, it was a great battle. Race. It was yeah. A great race. It was a great race to watch on the TV as well, um, but you know, they don't I, uh, they don't seem to televise those races on. Is it completely televised? Yeah, But it seems to be. Um, I think it's like the Mo Farah show now, isn't it? Was it really? Yeah. Yeah, he's one about the last four or five years, years of it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's become the Mo Farah show. But you know, Mo Farah is just uh, unbelievable, isn't he? But what you know, what. What can you say about Mo Farah that's not already been said? But, um, yeah, I still... Uh, the Great North Run's still a great race, yeah. as is the London Marathon, which I ran the London Marathon on about three occasions. Interestingly, you, you, as a 10,000-metre runner, stepping up to that marathon, you, you felt that wasn't your thing, marathon? Yeah, running. I mean... I, I think Although I, you've run a, a personal bet of 2.17, which yeah, is... Yeah, I ran 2.17, which... Very I, impressive, but, I, I but you don't I, think so. I, I wasn't happy running 2.17. I, I, you know, my half marathon, 10-mile, 10K times predict, you know, predicted that maybe I was capable of running around 2.11, 2.12, 2.13, 2.14, 2.15... 
Um, but I obviously I didn't run that far. I, I, ended up, I, only, I only ended up running 2.17, 2, two hours, 17 minutes. Um, I only ran the marathon on a few occasions. I, I struggled at the event a little bit. You obviously realised that wasn't your thing, so you weren't really yeah. training for marathons. But having said that, I finished 18th in the 1993 London Marathon running yeah. me, me two hours, 17 minutes. And I got selected for the World Cup Marathon in San Sebastian in Spain on the strength of that. Um, you, got a, you got a bronze, didn't you? The British yeah, I didn't, run, I didn't run very well in the actual race. It was actually won by Richard Nareke of Britain. Yeah. He won the individual gold medal. But Britain finished third in the team event and we got a bronze medal. And again, like in the World Cross Country, I got that cherished, yeah. I got that cherished bronze medal from the World Cup Marathon. And you still got it? To this I, day, yeah. I still have them. My medal, yeah. they're, they're, they're safely in my mother's house. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was. Um, I run the night. I, I ran the. I didn't run the marathon again after that till about 96 when I ran in the Olympic trial again for the marathon for 96. And I, I was a DNF. DNF did um, not finish. For what reason? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I just DNF'd. I just didn't. Yeah. I, I wasn't running very well. Um, in the race, I just struggled. It was I just it just wasn't my day, and yeah. maybe I was getting on a bit then. I must have been about 36, 37 then. Right. Um, but uh, nineteen ninety four, I won the British ten k road race championship in Stoke on Trent. My word! So I was British ten k champion in nineteen ninety four. That's amazing. So that was a good. That was a that was that was a gold medal. Yeah. So I, I I got a gold medal from the British ten k, silver medal from the World Cross Country. Championships and a bronze medal from the World Cup marathon, so they're like gold, silver, and bronze. I, you know, they're yeah. they're, they're they're to be treasured. And if you look at cross country, I mean, I've I've ran, I've got medals from every level in cross country, from Liverpool and district right up to the World Championships. Yeah. So I've got medals uh, Liverpool and district, West Lancashire, Lancashire, Merseyside, inter counties. Third in the national cross country in nineteen ninety one, um, and a silver medal from the world cross country championship. So I've got medals at every level from local to 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 world world championship. You know, I love the cross country and your preparation for cross country. We've got Shirley Park down the road there. I imagine you've you've raced there. I've raced there many times. Yeah, and I won the Lancashire Championships at Shirley Park. It's on our doorstep, and I always I've had this argument with with different people. You know. Uh, not an argument, but um, I think Matthew would agree with me. When, when you train, you know, people are pounding the pavements. If you take it on the grass, you've got a bit more support and cushioning. Is I, that I, something that you yeah, thought about? Or? Yeah, I, I seem to run well at, um, at um, cross country. I seem to excel. Because, again, I run well. At, it started running cross country at school. And I used to win all the cross country races at school. So, But, I mean, in your ordinary training, to take it off the concrete and, and onto the grass, to, to run on grass, would you, would you do that in, in, in your training? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I always love running on the cross country um, as regards racing. Also, an another thing to mention is, is, is when I do, particularly my morning runs, uh, whether it be late morning or my four, five, six miles that sometimes I'd run in the morning, most of that would be on grass. Interesting. Yeah. Because I, I always preferred to run on grass when I could rather than on the road or the pavement. 
because it's obviously easier on the leg. That's my feeling. Chance. I mean, we, we say it's obvious, but I see a lot of runners that don't do that. You know, they don't take advantage of the grass. And, and I always took advantage of, advantage of running on the grass. Because, um, again, from what, where, I was, where I was living, uh, I'd run a mile or two to Bootle Stadium and run a few laps of the stadium on grass. So I'd get a couple of miles in around there. Uh, also, another part of my, my training... Um, schedule was running to what Walton Hall Park and it's basically grass all the way around it's a two mile loop so again if I did a couple of loops of the park if I'm doing a five or six mile run four four or five of that six mile run would be on grass you know so but the majority of that training run would be running on grass but but when I could obviously run on the grass and yeah it's easier on the joints it's it's it, it easier to run on Saves you a pound on the head, the, the, the pavements. Yeah, mm. I mean, maybe that helped me in, in my training, doing a lot of running on grass. I was going to say, I, I, did, that, did that sort of, um, yeah, did that play a part in that sort of consistency? Because obviously there was there was a whole 10 years where you were ranked within the top 10, at a time when British running was sort of in the, you know, that golden era of British distance running, and you were, you were always in the top 10 British runners over the 10,000 metres. Yeah, I was, yeah. Was. I mean, I think I was ranked in the top 10 British runners for 10,000 metres for like 10 years yeah, on, the yeah, run. on the run, yeah. 85 to 95, from what I can remember. Um, yeah, it's just on the yeah. uh, Liverpool and Pembroke and uh, oh, Sheffield right, website. Yeah. We hope we'll get a few listeners from, from Liverpool. I'm sure we work with Liverpool, Pembroke. And, and interesting that the club was set up in approximately 1880s, 90s. So it got a long history. And in 1995, I believe, um, tell us about that particular day. 1995. Yeah, just 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 before I, I touch on that, um, yeah, we, Liverpool Pembroke was formed in 1890, uh, in, in Pembroke Place in Liverpool city centre. So obviously, where, where the name Pembroke which, came which from, which is near the Royal Liverpool, which is not far from where around hospital. the Royal Liverpool Hospital area. So when the club was formed back in back in them days, the guys used to meet in Pembroke Place and then go for a run wherever they were going to. So obviously then that. The, the, the club was, was, was called Liverpool Pembroke Athletic Club uh, and then I know years on in the 50s and 60s they used to train at Bootle Stadium then when I joined in the early 80s they moved to Kirby Sports Centre where we did most of our training um, and then in 1995 Liverpool Pembroke and Sefton Harriers amalgamated to become Liverpool Pembroke and Sefton Athletic Club so yeah, 1995 that would be and strange enough on that particular day that we amalgamated I happened to be running in the World Half Marathon Championships in uh, in France so I was the club's first international the new club's first international Amazing. on the day that oh, it was formed on the There's a, that's a coincidence <laughs> it's a coincidence uh, if, you ask, if you ask uh, Robbie Wood from our club, Robbie Wood, yeah. they, they'll, yeah. they'll know that you know, yeah. and so, your first uh, Brit home as well that day, as well, weren't you? I was the first Brit home that day, and the previous year in '94 uh, in Oslo in the World Half Marathon Championships, I was the first Brit home to finish on that day, and that was my personal best, 62:45, 62 minutes 45 seconds. Uh, so I was 35 then when I ran that personal best. So I ran my first half marathon when I was 26. And I ran my personal best for the distance when I was thirty-five. That's something. So that's that's something, gives us that's, that's something to conjure with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So it gives people, again, as they say, distance runners—they they like fine wine. 
they age like fine wine distance from us well I, t- <laughs> I, t- I turned thir- I turned 35 on Monday and I'm officially a veteran I don't feel I'm a veteran at 39 you you had finished at 39 you hadn't at that point you hadn't become a veteran because it was 40 what what are your feelings on reducing the age from 40? yeah you've just mentioned the fact that nowadays um, once you're 35 in athletics you you're eligible to run in the veterans now back in my day you didn't run as a veteran until you were 40 um, and I find that a bit strange because 35 like I say I ran my personal best for a half marathon at 35 nine years after I'd run my first half marathon so for some runners at 35 you're still in your prime so why they didn't leave it to, to, to turn into a veteran when you're 40 I don't know it, it's beyond me it, it, for me, it doesn't. It just doesn't seem. I agree with you. I agree it, with you. It, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, yeah. it, it. It doesn't seem right because I do know at the time when men, back in back in my day, when you were forty, you turned into a veteran. For the women, it was thirty-five. Then, I think it still is now, yeah. as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, even then at that time, I thought, why, why do men become a better forty, but and women become a better veteran at thirty-five? The women should be the same as the men. Yeah. The women shouldn't be turning better until they're forty, like like the men. So, so I found that a bit baffling at the time. I thought that that can't be right. So ten years ago, Matthew, you reckon it was ten years ago? It was, when, it was, when it, it was within the last. Per, 10 years, perhaps sorry. they should have increased the ladies' age to forty at that time instead of reducing the men's. Maybe, yeah. maybe. That's I what. exactly. I I, 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 would, I would go along with that. Um, Very interesting. Leave the men at forty and, and and move the women from thirty-five to forty. Yeah. Without yeah. a, without any doubt, that's my. Opinion. We're in full agreement that's my, there. I think. That's my opinion, yeah. I think we're all in agreement on that. Uh, and um, I like yeah. it because John Joe's turned thirty five, and I can now joke with him with me being only twenty nine. <laughs> I can tease him a little bit, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Of course, uh, if you take advantage of it though. If you, if you, I don't create these rules. So at thirty five, I'll, I'll try and take advantage of being a veteran. I suppose well, I've got no other choice. Yeah, I mean no that's choice. that's that's the only advantage that you have. You can you, you can take advantage of that, but. What can you do? What else can you do? 35, really? you're only young and you're still in your prime as far as I'm concerned. I like the sounds of that. I like the sounds <laughs> of that. <laughs> so we're going to perhaps, we're, we're going to, we, we, there's so much to cover really. You've got so many other achievements and, and I don't know where we go from here, but we know that at 39, you decided to hang up your boots Um and you didn't want to run as a veteran. You didn't want to turn foot and, and compete a veteran because you'd live, lived your life, everything, your life was surround, running was the centerpiece and you'd fitted everything around running. And now you felt, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you wanted to do other things maybe and, and tell me about that feel, that decision that you made because you were still in great shape. You were still running very fast times. Yeah, um, I... I always felt getting into my late 30s that I didn't fancy competing as a veteran even though people were telling me compete as a veteran you can do great you can. I felt that I'd achieved in what I could achieve in my prime so I didn't want, I didn't fancy competing as a vet as a veteran I remember one of my final races I can remember uh, was the Land Note 10 um, I think I was 38 or 39 and I finished third I think it was third in about 48 minutes so I was st- still running really fast 
when I was 38, 39. I think it was 38. I think I was a month away from my because my birthday's in December. And I always remember that the, the Land of No Race was in November. So it must have been, I must have been a month short of my 39th birthday. And I ran uh, 48 minutes something to finish third. So I was still in good shape. And I, I, I seem to recall that that was one of the last races I ran. Would I that... seem I seem oh. after that I got to thirty nine, and then I just I didn't really train that that hard that winter for the following season. I I don't know. I just I just seem to taper off and think okay, maybe this is the time for me now to 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 to, to call it quits. And you had young so lads just... knocking on the door, like of Tony O'Brien at that point, perhaps, or before that, really, they, they were co- coming through. Yeah, I mean, Tony O'Brien, yeah, they, 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 he was one of the younger guys coming through who, who was running well. Um, uh, and, and, and a few, it was like a new a new generation coming through. You'd have perhaps been a role model for, for, for Tony. Yeah, we used, maybe to, I used to compete with them. Yeah, me yeah. and Tony ran, ran against each other on a number of occasions. Yeah, um, like I say, Tony used to, to, to ask me some advice on things and stuff and Tony was, was friends with other top guys so they were giving him advice um, yeah so like I say I decided that maybe that was my time for me to sort of uh, step step away from the sport a little bit I'd achieved what I'd achieved I had highs I had lows I in general I, I thought you know I did well at a, at a range of distances, at a, you know, both on the, the track, the cross-country and road racing. So I, 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 um, I decided, I think, you know, 39, um, I'm not going to get any quicker. So maybe this is, this is my time to say, uh, to, 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 to move, move. I didn't officially quit. I just decided to, 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 to step back. Yeah. And I don't think I can. I, I think I ran a few races after that just for fun. Yeah. But it was never. Um, and like I say, I'd fitted running around my life for like nearly 20 years. You know, from when I was about 20, 21. Running took. Everything else took a back seat to running. And I decided at that time, okay, maybe it's time for running to fit around everything else rather than the other way. So um, yeah, I just decided that was that was it, uh, and I sort of like I don't know how you could put it. Maybe turn me back on the sport a little bit in the early two thousands for about ten years or so. But it's only recently, in the last four or five years, that I've got interest again uh, through social media, um, getting in touch with old running friends, colleagues, um, running groups. Uh, and now I'm really interested again. I really enjoy looking at the sport. I really enjoy watching it on TV. I really enjoy getting involved on Facebook groups, social media, commenting on races, looking at old photos. It, it yeah, it's 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 great. Um, we mentioned John Downs. You, you've come across John Downs. He's quite a character, isn't he? Oh, John he? Downs, the uh, the Irishman, John Downs. What a, yeah, a great character, um, and a lovely guy, John, because I. I remember towards the end of my career, I ran uh, up in the northeast. It was called the Northumberland Challenge, and it was a week where you ran different races every day. Mm-hmm. You ran a, um, a road old race. Tour of Thames side and stuff yeah, like the, it was like a bit like the Tour of Thames side, only the, it was called the Northumberland Challenge. 
or, or, or something like that. Um, and it was up in the northeast, like I say, and you'd run a road race one day, a hill race the next day, a race on the beach the fall, and it was different races over different terrains. And I think I was must have been the oldest in the field, and I must have been about thirty seven. And I'd not long come back from running a marathon where I dropped out again. <laughs> so, was the end of, um, so I was still feeling the effects. Uh, and I decided to run this race because uh, the, the appearance money you were paying was quite good. And I thought, okay, I'll go for this. Um, but um, yeah, John Downs was there on, on, that, uh, on that trip. And the good thing about John and another guy, his, his best mate at the time, they were a guy, a Scottish gunner called Tommy Murray. They were rooming together. And after about three or four days, I was getting frustrated because I wasn't running well. And I thought, oh, I'm going home, I'm quitting. But John and Tommy came into my room to chat to me, to persuade me to stay for the rest, to see the race. And, mm, and I, I was nice. grateful. And I thought, great. It really, I was really delighted that they'd come because they they'd got wind that I was thinking of going, I'm, I'm going home, I'm going back to Liverpool. And, and they sort of came and persuaded me to, to carry on to the end. Gave you that support, uh, yeah. They gave me that, and, that, and nice. I really appreciated that. And John Downs, yeah, if John, you're John listening, Downs, yeah. Yeah, John's a, John's a smashing guy. Uh, and John was a great runner as well, obviously. He's got yeah. some great performances. Um, yeah, I like to say that running is the greatest sport in the world. Uh, you know, the people you meet all over the world, races, and fantastic. You, would, you, you wouldn't swap them, them things for anything. Now, I, 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 did, I believe you, I mean, this is nothing to do with running, but I've got a little small present for you. And at some point, we'll, I'll dig them out for we'll, we'll, we'll dig them out for you. But you spent a time, I believe, as a, a Beatles tour, uh, tour guide. Is that right? I've, yeah. I've, I've done that briefly uh, in recent years. I, I've been a bit of an authority on the Beatles, uh, <laughs> being my favourite band and um, having read books. And like I say, for, for, for me, since I was about fourteen, um, yeah, and I was, I was, it was a, um, a girl that I was knocking around with. It was a Spanish-speaking Beatles tour guide, so um, she said, "Why don't you be? Why don't you do a little bit of this Beatles?" Because you're, you're. A, she said she was saying to me, she used to get her information off me. She used to come for me for information on the Beatles. And she said, why don't you try and do do this? Uh, I said, I should have done this years ago, to be honest. This is life after running, by the way, this isn't is, it? Well, this is yeah. only in recent years, yeah. yeah. So I, I did a little bit, I had a little bit, little bit of a go at uh, doing a bit of talk, uh, you know, going with her and listening to her and then giving her some advice uh, on certain things. And then I did a little bit, a couple of tours myself with That's people. Nice. Um, just, it was just, it was just a bit of fun, really. Um, like I said, I should have, I probably should have gone into that years years before, but there's lots of Beatles tour guides in Liverpool now anyway, so that that's you know it's very competitive. Uh, I, 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 it's very competitive, as you say, yeah. But I I uh, my Beatles knowledge, I did put it to um, to the test. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I was a uh, was just an, another 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 string to my bow. Yeah. As you as, as you do, you know. And we got some other questions, Matthew. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, talking about social media and, and, and that, bringing that back involvement into into athletics and getting in touch with what's going on and stuff like that. And um, obviously, John Downs is is, is sort of leading a, a little bit of a, a a war on the on the 
the uh, UK athletics and how it's sort of organised in the sport in the in the country the last couple of years and things like that. And he's played a, a vital role in a couple um, big things and change you know, in the direction of things, especially with the um, the area uh, bodies in Northern Athletics and, and Midland, I think, sort of going independent and, and moving away from, from, you know, that sort of being held to control from, from the central uh, UK UK athletics and things like that. Um, what's your sort of, you know, view on, on, on athletics in the country at the moment? Obviously, we talked about sort of depth of fields, the, the quality of depth of field being, you know, so much greater back in, 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 in the era, uh, in the 80s and things like that. Um, to sort of now, it, I know there's there's always arguments on, you know that there's the depth is 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 still good now on maybe the high end in sort of the, the the race the times that are being run, but maybe the depth in numbers isn't as as high nowadays. Or is it the fact there's just some would say there's more races, but then you know we've talked about how you were racing every weekend and, and things like that. So, what's what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, when you when you mentioned uh, John Downs, who's very vocal. Um, on all these things, and I, I listen to John, and, and, and I agree with most of what he has to say. Um, he's got he makes a good point. Um, UK athletics now, they seem to be more interested in um, sort of like club hubs rather than cl- grassroots club level. The person who's running UK athletics now, I think, has come from a netball background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From what from what I can from what I can gather. Just so again, you know, you, 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 I'm I'm with the people who say you you should be really come from an athletics background to be able to to, to comment or to know the, the sort of structure in athletics rather than coming from another sport and then jumping in at the deep end uh, yeah what John Down says is true and UK yeah they seem to have lost their way don't get me wrong I mean the top guys now in Britain they're running they're running great they're running fantastic all the guys British distance runner is, is as good now as it's ever been obviously you don't have to strengthen depth yeah. That yeah, that you you had in, in the quality of road races, um. But the the, the guys at the top level are, are running great, and that's not that's not down to the system. That's probably in spite of the system. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I know peak runners used to be lottery funded and stuff like that back in back in the day. I don't know whether they still do. I think some of them do. Yeah. But the criteria now is so much that the the level of the criteria to be lottery funded now you've got to be. One of the best in the world yeah, before you get any lottery for well, a lot of it as well is a lot of the guys will will actually turn it down now because the controllers are sort of to go and base themselves at somewhere like Loughborough or something like that one of these these hubs yeah. rather than yeah. stay where they are and train and, and yeah train. i'm just going by what i've what i'm what i've looked at and read on social media and listened to people and heard various topics on the sport yeah i mean you know i'm in agreement with Grassroots is is everything, and anyone who comes into athletics from the beginning, they I I would say they've got they have more of an input than someone who jumps into athletics from another sport and tries to take control of athletics having come from another background like netball or wherever swimming. So, so I mean, I, like I say, I I think. Yeah, athletics. It, 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 you should go back to the way it was back in the old days. That's that's just my take on it, anyway. I mean, your feeling and thoughts about the park run. It's it's very well supported locally here. They get three hundred runners. Maybe at the Saint Helens Park Run. You've got the, the, the Dream Statue here. It's very popular. 
I recall listening to John Downs, particularly about the part one, which was very, very interesting because he mentioned that it's not all what it seems. It's supposed to supposedly free, but actually they're taking money from, I think, uh, UK Athletics and the, the I don't know, UK, Matthew UK Sports. UK, UK Sports. I don't fully understand it, but it's not all what it seems. Have you any thoughts on the part run? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know that much about it to be honest. Um, to be to, to to comment on that, I don't know. I mean. Like I say, I'm more for the, the grassroots stuff, uh, local races, um, where pe- 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 people can can um, improve their performances by A, racing locally, B, racing nationally, whatever. It's, it, it, it's, it's progression that the better quality you run against, the better athlete you can become. That's my take on it. I, I don't know what, 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 what this club hub thing is. I, I don't really know that much about it, to be fair. But um, like I said, I know for the fact that top guys who are still running well, and they're running well because, A, they're dedicated, uh, they're running well, in, in, not because of the system, in spite of it. And they obviously have good coaches as well who would prefer to give them the time, you know. Yeah, and um, I know you mentioned... Uh earlier on it might have been uh, while we were chatting before the podcast but you, you remember I was or I'm a, a runner a Facebook group and obviously something that, that gets me fired up on there discussion wise and fires that group up quite a bit is the is the shoe uh, the super shoe debate and things like that and obviously you yep. know we've just had um, um, Hutchins Tim Hutchins was, was uh, has, uh, done an interview recently and he's completely against them and very much very much outspoken against them and things like that um, obviously, I think him and him and Mark Scott, who's one of the current crop of, of talented British runners, um, had a little bit of a, a tiff going there um, because Mark's running some fantastic performances at the moment. Um, but obviously, a lot of the times, the first question he's being asked in interviews is, "So, you know, how much did the shoes help you and things like that?" And it's it's not being credited to to him and the performance he's doing. And what are your thoughts on that? And yeah, going on the um, the shoe debate, the go faster shoes or the go. <laughs> The go faster spikes, the go faster racing shoes, um, regarding the Tim Hutchings and the Mark Scott debate, I, I did read that on the, on the social media. I was I was following that. Um, uh, I actually actually made a comment. That I agreed with Tim. To be fair, but having said that, I can see where Mark Scott's coming from. A fantastic runner. He's he's, he's run some fantastic times. And that can only be done mostly through hard work. Obviously, the shoes, the spikes, they make a, a, a small difference. But at the end of the day, it doesn't take away from the fact that Mark Scott must be a really hard trainer and a great runner. So there's, there's two ways of looking at it. Yeah, where I, say, I agree with Tim is, I think... What did Tim say, by the way? He I... was saying that the, the racing shoes, these particular race, racing shoes, racing spikes, are making the runner actually run quicker. Right. The technology in them, yeah. Uh, as far as I know, um, and I'm thinking, yeah, he, he, Tim's got a point on that because if everyone if everyone wore the same type of running shoes, running racing shoes, sorry, or racing spikes, you're all on a level playing field then. But someone's got shoes that make you go faster than another person. Well, I think that's a little bit iffy, if you know what I mean. So. I can see where Tim's coming from, but I can also see where Mark Scott's coming from also. So have you got an answer or a solution? Maybe you know. I know. Yeah, what I think you? there shouldn't be any go faster racing shoes or spikes. Everyone should wear this. Should, should run in the same. Yeah. Obviously not the same make a shoe, but 
it's got to be. should not be any difference. should not be any difference in technology when it comes down to the racing shoe. All racing shoes should be the same. Yeah. Be Simple the, as that. Be the set or available to everybody. Yeah. Not the go faster ones though, but just not the go faster. Get rid. Ones, don't no. even have that. But again, that's technology, and people say, oh, you know, the sport moves on. You know, um, you're not running in hobnail boots anymore. Yeah, I mean, type of thing. Some of the, some of the debate comes. So my always side on it is is that. Um, so from from it's like that you've got the you've got the shoes now obviously Nike in terms of has the the spikes which is on the road side of the market now every brand's got their shoes it's it's for a big time it was just the road shoe the issue was Nike had the shoe out no one else did now it's become even because every other brand's got those out and it's sort of in the, the those performances Hoka's athlete won the marathon US women's marathon trials and beat the Nike athletes in there actually Nike athlete didn't finish in the top three in the US trials for that so. It sort of started to balance the world record when it in the half marathon um, in Adidas shoe. So the, the the other brands have sort of leveled that that playing field. The spikes at the moment is still obviously Nike have again are ahead of the other brands and have got their shoe and no one else has really got anything that's that's competitive against it yet. And that does leave that sort of imbalance between that. Um, but obviously, you know, you've got that. The, there's that discussion. Some people are discussing it on the side of. Um, because of the price of the shoes and things makes it unfair and, and takes away from sort of that that equal play and level playing field that athletics always sort of has from that and as I always argue on that one is that um, you know the sort of you know the, the shoes are even though they're expensive for somebody who wanted a pair of you know wanted that pair of shoes and thought that could help the performance sort of £250 is a lot of money to pay but it's something you could pay whereas something like a six week altitude camp which elite athletes can go on and pay for isn't necessarily open to those that could break through to the elite if they had the opportunity to do something similar and things and I always think that that argument I always think is a little flawed on the price side of things but um, yeah what are you, what are you? Matthew it's, it seem, it seems to be um, but the, 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 the way the debate is now it unfortunately it's getting down to the um, the um, the shoe the shoe the, the, the make of the shoe and not the athlete yeah and and that and that's dangerous. Yeah. That's where it's you know what 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 type of what go faster shoes were they wearing? Was it Nike, Adidas, where, wherever? Rather than focusing on the actual yeah, athlete, yeah. and that's where it's taking the shine off the athlete rather than the focus is on yeah. the shoe. And that and for me, that's that's a dangerous road to go down because yeah. it's just going to come to to a head eventually. So, so to sim- simplify things, you would say, and I think I agree with you because you. To just to, to limit the technology and have it across the board to available to everybody a simple racing shoe that's yeah like 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 got to have certain perhaps specs to it that that doesn't go beyond that which which has been brought in but it's obviously it's been brought in to match what Nike have currently got on the market and I suppose that does give a little bit of a, a grey area there because obviously we we, we know Seb Coe's now the the, the head of the uh, World Athletics ties to to Nike previously and. Uh, been both sponsored and, and employed by them and things so there's there's all little bits and pieces there that you, you raise eyebrows and stuff at but uh, yeah like I say you know it seems the focus now becoming more on the, the shoe than, than, than the athlete that's that's the point I was trying to make yeah. it? and um, I, I don't think that's 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 right it's, it, it should be about the athlete yeah so we'll, we'll see what happens yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's it is it's it's great uh, it's great uh, for argument's sake, for the sport, but obviously it'll come to a head eventually. 
Yeah. It's just like with, you compare like football with the VAR and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, this is all new technology in football, and I'm sure myself personally, and I'm not, most other, most other, most other people that I've spoken to don't like VAR. They think it's ruining the game. Yeah. yeah. So you know, every sport's got this sort of new technology, and is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? In some respects, it is, and then in other respects, yeah. it's not. And I think it's sometimes that the. the it's the way the media wants to tell that story, isn't it? That sort of disrupts it. And even, and even not just the media, uh, like the general media, the athletics media, but then also the athletics fans, why they want to tell that story? Because yeah. speaking of I was around a runner's group, the, a lot of the posts that get posted in there by, a, by an admin that's a, a member of that group is all on the, the, the against the shoe side of things. And there's not very much on the... the I always think that admin should post the, the for it as well to give that balanced argument within the group because obviously people see the post with them being an admin more than, than others and I always think that would that would then give that balance and allow everyone to see all of it and and really give that that thing. Yeah. if they're gonna, if they're going to post it all about it otherwise just let's leave it and focus on the as you say the performance itself and you know if the, the, if the, the guys the, out there are doing something fantastic let's yeah. let's talk about that let's, instead. let's focus on the athlete's performance rather than on the type of shoe they were wearing to enhance that performance yeah, yeah. you know and we're, um, we're just as bad now because I've, I've brought this question up to you and, and asking you about the shoes and your thoughts on it and that is again as a, as a podcast for the running side I'm just adding to the uh, to the fire and the debate there by doing it but roller blades are not allowed no <laughs> <laughs> when, now, by the way when's the Mount Everest marathon when you can just get to the top of the Mount Everest and jump off I don't know about breaking the you, you, it's, the, it's the first five what five minute marathon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know where do, where do you draw the line exactly um, now today I've, re- I've personally we both really enjoyed listening definitely. to your story it's been absorbing um, we, I've, I've personally learned a great deal from a champion um, and you first came to my attention uh, Danny McLaughlin I must give him a shout out your cousin Danny I don't think you've seen him for a while um, Danny and I met him in the gym which is a place you'd never never be seen in um, insistently and he, he would say ah you know John Joe you'd, you'd, you'd never never catch you on Marty and he's, he's true there he's true there and you came, came to my attention give him a shout out it's been a great pleasure we've got a couple of gifts for you here now just root into this bag here we've got John Lennon and uh, a Spaniard in the works now you've not got that one, have you? Oh, great! That's John. <laughs> that's John Lennon's second book he wrote back in 1964. His first book was John Lennon in his own right, and this is his second book of Spanish and Arabic, which is fabulous because I've not got this. No, got a lovely bottle of Italian red wine there oh. for you, sir. John, Joe, Matthew, you're too kind, guys. And some you're wonderful, wonderful chocolates. Oh. Quality, marvelous. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for coming on. Mark. It's been an absolute it's been, pleasure. It's been a pleasure to uh, to talk about the old days, about my um, my career. It's uh, all been off, all off, all 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 stored in the in the brain here. So and now it's just everything off the cuff, and I just yeah. Bye.